Dave. Hey, hey. Hey. So this is like the podcast that, like, that was never meant to be recorded. Third time's a charm. Third time's the Third charm. Third time's a charm. So what so happened? What, the first? Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Okay. Remind me what happened to the first one. So the first one, I was in the Keybridge Marriott having uh, uh, connectile uh, dysfunction, <laughs> uh, wireless wireless setup, mm-hmm. and the, the then what happened? The, the, so it's like, all right, we'll table it. We'll just wait till I'm at home or wherever I was, and then then we just we knocked it out. We nailed it, right? Yeah, we we did nail it. It was actually I it was. I had a lot of fun doing it. I remember thinking, like, "Wow, that was a really good episode." I, you know, I'm excited to get this uh, get this posted. And uh, somewhere in the course of my editing, uh, I, let's assume it was my error. Um, the whole thing got chewed up, uh, so mm-hmm. the audio system showed me where the files were, uh, but there was no actual media on my disk. Um, and I went through all the backups, Dropbox, nothing. It was just gone. It was gone. Um, sure. And so. We admitted defeat. We recorded a couple episodes since then, and now we're now we're gonna now third time's the charm. We're we're really gonna nail this one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We need like to like double bag this thing as soon as you know, burn a CD <laughs> of the of the audio. Oh yeah. Playing. Oh yeah. You better really. Yeah, that's right. Bury it in the backyard. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So so some yeah. of that so some of this stuff is a little bit dated, but I th- but it's all still it's all still good. Fun. Yeah. Super fun. Super, Super fun. fun. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see so. so if this was about a month ago, I would have just returned from Sweden. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So how how was it? It was it was it was really cool to see um, to see Soren uh, with the language, uh, working with his cousins. You know, he'd speak Swedish with them, and then turn around and immediately switch to English with us. And uh, got to see all of our uh, my in laws and stuff, which mm-hmm. was cool. And uh, man, and Stockholm is just one big daycare center. Um, the whole thing is just like is just super super family friendly so i can strongly recommend if you've got especially if you've got young children sweden is a really easy place to take a vacation um yes. we had a great time great time yeah yeah nice nice um i think the, yeah. the, the, so the big highlight was uh for us was there's a uh, children's book which is i think finnish uh Moomin, uh which is very popular in northern europe and mm-hmm. uh, he's a big fan of Moomin, who's a troll the main character of the book and mm-hmm. Uh, my wife found a an amusement park in Stockholm, which is Moomin's house, and oh. so he got to run around inside Moomin's house, which is a total treat. It was super cool. He just he could not have been happier. It was, it was great. Oh wow, that sounds to me a lot like uh, we're about forty five minutes from where I grew up. Um, there's a place called uh, uh, Storybook Forest. Mm-hmm. which is so i grew up in western pennsylvania home of mr rogers right who i met um but um yeah so storybook forest there's actually like it's like a whole playground where it's like mr rogers neighborhood and and like that whole like theme it's just mm-hmm. it was just like awesome so fun yeah yeah it was great and then uh let's see i think i came back and we immediately launched uh red hat virtualization 4 uh mm-hmm. which is a huge milestone uh scott and his team just completely nailed it um just execution wise on the release they they did a great job and then also the product itself is really exciting um and it's coming at a a kind of a great moment in the virtualization market right with all all this vmware emc weirdness um and uh virtualization has kind of moved from being something special that you pay a premium for to just being something you expect to have in a data center um Mm -hmm. so all the 
you know, kind of the cost and risk calculations have changed uh, since yeah. uh, since the virtualization is introduced. So we feel like it's a really good moment to have this this Red Hat virtualization release. And uh, I tell you, that folks are folks are super excited about it. The sales folks are happy about it. Uh, I'm sure you. I know you've seen a yeah. bunch of Red Hat virtualization. Uh, a lot of press. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, huge in Russia, weirdly, but you know, I'll, yeah, we'll <laughs> take in Japan too. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so a month ago I was uh I, I was good. I was relaxed. I had this uh had a great product release go out. Congratulations to Scott Harold, uh the product manager on that and mm-hmm. his entire team. Um and uh let's see. And then about then uh yeah, so that that was that was my update from a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I've I've been a long-time user of OpenWRT since I upgraded a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm really enjoying that. So I had a router that died that was running DDWRT, and uh, I switched this one over, uh, got a new one, got OpenWRT on it, and uh, it works great. So highly recommend it. A lot of fun. Nice. And now, is this the kind of thing where you have to, is it like having another server in your house that you got to, like, maintain and, nope. and patch and update? No, nothing like that? It's kind of no. fire, fire well, and forget. So I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, you mm-hmm. know, because it doesn't, there isn't, like, updates for it all the time, so... Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a good thing, or or maybe there are vulnerabilities out there. But I I keep it behind my um, you know internet provider four port router thing anyhow. So I sort of have uh, defense in depth, so to speak. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool, cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get this thing done for the third time. Uh, Dave, what are we going to talk about for the for the third time on the show? Yeah, we're going to talk about DEF CON. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. do a United Airlines security case study. Yeah. And then we're going to have a nice chaser of uh, meeting hygiene. Nice. All right. So folks want to want a link to the adorable song Smogrodina, which my son is now able to sing all by himself. Um, what website should they go to? Uh, dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org. Nice. And, uh, and the cutting room floor? How's that doing? Yeah. So so let's see. Uh, we got a pattern here. Uh, we got tanks for sale mm-hmm. we have uh lighthouses for sale yeah and uh we also have some uh free ufo advice from the cia <laughs> that's, a nice, that's a nice hook nice teaser that's good mm-hmm. that's good i like that um you know what i haven't heard about in a long time dave is uh is raspberry pi what, what's going on with raspberry like a pi? month yeah it's almost like, a month, like a month. <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> it's been a month since we talked about this uh, yeah yeah so um yeah so we haven't talked about raspberry pi but there uh, check out the show notes there is a um Sub $400 open source Raspberry Pi powered screening device for retinal diseases. So, um, you know, in the past, so this is pretty cool. So it's this little outfit that you could ship around. And it's, I think it was mostly developed for like uh, uh, emerging economies and all that where people may not have access to uh, the local big hospital. And so this is something that you could take out into rural areas and use the, the, uh, Raspberry Pi to do the retina scanning because I, I remember from a, the previous episode we were talking about the the Samsung uh, with the uh, was it the Samsung Galaxy Seven Note or whatever mm-hmm. that uh, can do retina scanning to unlock so mm-hmm. that that'll be fun yeah 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 pretty fun um, and then also uh, I, I <laughs> there is something wrong with me Dave there's something profoundly broken inside me as a person where my thoughts immediately go to uh, ways in which you could use this Raspberry powered device targeted at emerging markets uh, for collecting people's retina identification uh, to uh, to spoof their identities. 
or to collect their identities. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, like you, you hear about how people would go and do like vaccination programs and exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. And so, hey, well, let's let's do your retina scan for a health check. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. and then then you could pick up some uh, people that uh, may be up to no good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, broken inside, broken, broken yeah. inside. Um, you read too many things for, I guess, uh, I gotta stop thinking so much. Yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta stop thinking so much. I got, I had a. <laughs> on the other hand, this this next item doesn't make me feel any better either. Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we got, uh, so we've been talking about the face recognition systems for, uh, you know, you could do it with open source and Raspberry Pis and all that, and and uh, your church can use it to see if you're showing up, um, and they could give you a call to uh, if you haven't made it in a while. Um, so now there's uh, faceless recognition system so it can identify you with even you know even if you hide your face so like if your face is obscured or you have a hoodie um you're able to uh if there's only 1.25 instances of your fully visible face the system can identify an obscured face with uh 69.6 percent accuracy huh. if they have 10 percent or 10 instances of your uh face it increases to as high as 91.5 percent that's just amazing that's just amazing yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. All right. Well, so, so jokes on all those people who got those uh, fancy uh, razzle dazzle tattoos, which are meant to foil the the face recognition systems, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Get, get their get their money back for that. <laughs> <That's>... yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, what's what's new in uh, in exfiltration of data? What's the what's what's the cutting edge here? Well, actually. Um, it, I don't know if it's exfiltration of data, but the, the next one that we have up is is being able to, like we were talking last time or a previous time about your car, about mm -hmm. how um, your new car could, uh, I guess it's the Volvo version of OnStar and it has like a cellular modem and mm -hmm. that's how it connects and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but this guy figured out a way to uh, use the like regular old hotspots that are open, uh, but not but may be like captive portals. Uh, to be able to uh, connect to them and send data across them. And the way he does it is by um, tunneling the data over DNS queries. Hmm. Hmm. So that way he did that way. He doesn't even need access to the Wi-Fi. Really? Right. He could just use an open Wi-Fi station and, and take the data out pretending he's asking for a host name, but in fact, it's a base 32 encoded bundle of yes. uh, GPS information. Exactly. So, yep. so what you do is you could run, you know, even a Raspberry Pi at your house, and you set the dona domain name up to it, and then you just do a DNS query to it, and then you could not only just do that DNS query, you could also uh, add your own GPS coordinate payloads. And so, basically, what he came up with was a low-cost, low-jack, uh, without needing to have a data dis uh, subscription. Oh, let's see. Okay, yes, and and so when I'm saying exfiltration, I'm thinking about the because I'm broken inside. See the mm -hmm. previous two posts. Um, I'm thinking about ways in which uh, you could uh, take advantage of other people's taking advantage of other people's oh. Wi-Fi to get data okay. out, or even uh, be able to take data out of a location um, without people knowing, right? Because you don't need to. Um, even if you did have a full internet connection, if you only communicated over DNS, people probably wouldn't notice. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and so in this case, this guy was using it in his car, and I was thinking that man, this. You know, it's like the time it takes to connect to an access point and, and all that. Mm -hmm. Is that really going to work? And 
Um, I have a link in the show notes to the article, and maybe we'll get the, the image into the show notes. Not sure if we could do it, but um, where he actually plots data points as he's traveling at 60 miles an hour and is able to go from um, access point to access point and as he's driving on the highway and just shooting information out. See, that's, and, and, the, that's the real technical achievement is being able to connect yes. to a Wi-Fi. I mean, it takes me five freaking minutes to connect to our company Wi-Fi. So like <laughs> right. <laughs> being yeah. able to do it at 60 miles an hour, that's, that's something else. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, you got to check that image out. It's, it's pretty awesome. Cool. Right on. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, of my hometown in Western Pennsylvania, um, the, remember when we were talking about the, the police in my current hometown, uh, they were giving out, uh, um, pulling people over and giving them tickets for, um, uh, I don't know, good behavior uh, as a public relations thing? Um, sorry, ask that again. So... So do you remember when we uh, talked in a previous uh, many episodes ago about the police in my current hometown in Ohio have been they were pulling people over and doing security checkpoints uh, uh, and giving people like coupons for good behavior? I do. I do remember that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the, the police in my hometown are actually they're doing the exact same thing. They're giving out what they call good tickets. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I like the sound of this. Yeah. So um there, so what they did was they worked with the local um, uh, convenience store chain, uh, and they basically got like a whole stack of of uh, free uh, fountain drinks uh, that get coupons that they could hand out to people. And if they see somebody doing something good or whatever, they could walk up to them and strike up a conversation and then hand them uh, a good ticket so they could get a, a free soft drink. And I was very much the way you were skeptical um, I was skeptical too, but I guess what they're trying to do is with the, you know, the, the drug problem and crime problems and stuff like that getting out of hand and, and just the poor relationship that people have with the, the police, this is a, a way to improve relations. And I was like, yeah, really, I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But what I found was that there was a, a viral video guy in my hometown that, uh, he got a good ticket and he did a video about it. And the, the, the video is really interesting cause it's like, just like this dude with dreadlocks and he does like inspirational videos and, and stuff like that. And you should check it out, but it was really neat that he was actually happy that he got a, a good ticket. And, um, the police actually said that, Oh yeah, Hey, I love the videos you're doing to, to feature our town and everything. So, Hey, here you go. Have a drink on us. <laughs> it just seems, so, so, okay, I have a different criticism than I thought I would have when this thing started is mm-hmm. that actually sounds totally innocuous. Um, yeah. And in fact, uh, and in fact, sounds actually kind of ineffective, like compared to kind of compared to what they're up against. Right. Which is, you know, you get the um, uh, uh, police beatings and, you know, all like all those bad acts on the on the part of the cops and the mm-hmm. bad relationship they have with the community. Uh, I'm suspicious that the free drinks is really going to get them over the goal over the goal line. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's, well, it's, maybe it's a start. It's a start. Of, it's a start. You know, it's it's one step in a million mile journey. But yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. You know, it's like a reason. Like I think a lot of times maybe the police are, uh, you know, unapproachable or you know people don't want to talk to them or walk up to them. And this is just 
an excuse and mm -hmm. and uh, just a like it's that very first step. So yeah. before you judge, check out the the inspirational dude and his video, and and I put that in the show notes. All so, right, all right, yeah. yep. I'll keep an open mind, even though I'm broken yeah. inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, free drink and a retina scan. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Free, free, <laughs> free drink and some probable cause. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Vegas. Yeah. That happened a month or so ago. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So one, so we've been talking about the, uh, the IMSI catchers, right. Mm -hmm. The stingray like devices sure. uh, that uh, people use. And, um, there, it was an interesting article. People could check it out where, um, a guy went to DEFCON before, and uh, he did a scan of all the, the GSM towers around the Bally's and Paris hotels. And um, he, he uh, bet before the show started and during the show, and coincidentally, there were a lot of uh, GSM towers during the show. And it was, it's like crazy. Huh. Huh. I, I'm, I'm really impressed by his ability to think ahead. It would, it would mm -hmm. not it would not have occurred to me to take the kind of before and after. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But the the image is pretty awesome. People should check it out. <laughs> like I I just have this image of like the lone gunman in like some hotel room with Mulder and they're they're scanning something. Yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 Right. 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 Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So uh, so what else yeah. did they uh what else what other quote unquote research was was unveiled at DefCon this year? Well, there was some. I, I don't know if this was DefCon or not, but uh, you know these you know, these crazy Israeli guys that are always jumping air gaps. Um, mm -hmm. They're at it again, and so this time they're using uh, hard drive sounds to transmit data. Huh. Yeah. So like seek operations and stuff like that. So they're able to do 180 bits per minute, uh, which is fast enough to steal a 4096 bit key in 25 minutes. Man, I. Actually, that, that's unbelievable, right? That seems crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be like in a... I can't imagine that that would work in a... Uh, any outside of anything but a lab setting, right? Yeah, maybe. And, and you probably have to have the microphone pretty close to where the, the disk drive is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but, it, but it's at least an interesting proof of concept from an academic standpoint. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Huh. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I saw, too, was that... Uh, there's a way that you could uh, break, you know, hackers can break into your monitor uh, to be able to not only read your pixels, uh, but also manipulate them. Whoa. That's right. I mean, we've always had the kind of Tempest stuff, right? Where you mm -hmm. can, from the radiation coming off of the, coming off of the monitor, you could figure out what it was displaying. I mean, that's been yes. around for years and years and years. Um, yep. But how do they actually manipulate the pixels? That's confusing to me. Yeah, so there's an embedded computer inside your, say, like your your flat panel monitor, mm -hmm. and what they're able to do is do a phishing attack uh, to be able to reprogram the firmware, and once they reprogram the firmware, they're able to manipulate the pixels on the screen and also read them. And so you would think about it, I could imagine that this would be useful in um, either reality or a TV show, like for like industrial control systems where, you know, like you have like a picture of a nuclear reactor or something. And instead of it, like red warning meltdown impending, right. you just uh, put some green happy text over top of it. Huh? Man, that's, uh, how would you get rid of something like that? Yeah. I, 
well, I guess reprogram your your uh, monitor firmware. I guess yeah, or you, you always keep backups of it, right? You're, you back up your monitor firmware, right? Yeah, just like I back up episodes of this show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Same place. Right? Same place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, I'm just going to unplug everything at this point. <laughs> this is just so bad. <laughs> well, if you're going to unplug things, start with your uh, USB um, and uh, your USB ports and uh, um, epoxy them shut. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, I, feel another, I feel another item coming on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's um, universal serial abuse. Um, so with uh, certain models of Arduino, like the Leonardo, uh, you can do mouse and keyboard emulation. And so... Um, you could do, uh, and, and so there's a guy that, that uh, he got the Arduino to do that, but then he attached an ESP8266 microcontroller to, do, to run uh, Wi-Fi and also VNC. So it all fits into about the size of like a stick of gum. And you plug it into a USB port. And so what you could do is have your laptop connect to a wireless access point. The ESP8266 connects to the same wireless access point and then what you're able to do is go from your laptop to the access point to the ESP8266 that's running VNC to send keyboard um, uh, keystrokes and mouse movements into the Arduino and then have that show up in the, uh, the, the computer. So it's a way to like drop down, uh, install malware. So you could walk up to somebody and then just plug it in the back and, and just have it, have it do that. So... You know, like that's kind of fun, and you think, oh, that's pretty un, un you know, unrealistic to be able to do. But um, actually, Lauren and I, we were playing around with, we pulled out an Arduino, and we did half of it, where um, I showed her, um, we were just hacking around, and uh, the first experiment was to just create a way to torment people <laughs> by having the Arduino, uh, you could just have it randomly lock, do the screen lock key sequence, like every 10 seconds. Oh, sure, right? sure, right, right. Yeah, so you could go to a library and then stick that in the back and then walk away and just, just watch the hilarity ensue, right? <laughs> um, but one of the other things is that the um, with this particular attack, uh, they, they said that, well, once the, the screen lock goes on, that attack is no longer useful at, when the screen's locked, right? Because mm -hmm. you can't send mouse and keyboard strokes and all that stuff to a locked screen. And so one of the things inside this attack is... Um, they move the mouse like over and back like a pixel like every so often. Mm -hmm. And so that was the next thing Laura and I put together was like we set on, uh, so we wrote it such that, you know, we set the screen lock to go off once every uh, minute and of inactivity. And then, but we wrote the program on the Arduino to have it move the mouse like over a pixel and then back a pixel once every 50 seconds. And so, and it worked. It was great. And we're, we're like, she and I were sitting there just staring at my screen, just staring at the mouse cursor, waiting for it to, you know, is it going to move? Is it going to move? Is it going to move? And then you just see it go boop, boop. And then it just moves and we're like high five and everything. And, and if, you know, like if you weren't paying attention, um, you would have never seen it move. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you would have thought that, oh, you must have bumped the desk and the mouse moved or something. But it's, it's like imperceptible. So it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, that's fun. That sounds like a good, that yeah. sounds like a so it's a great project. How cool. Yeah. It sounds like a really nice way to torment your coworkers. That's what that sounds mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm bringing her up right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, speaking of Arduino, um, the other thing that came out was that almost every Volkswagen since 1995 can be unlocked with an Arduino. 
So 40 bucks <laughs> worth of Arduino kit uh, because uh, Volkswagen, if they don't have enough problems already, they, um, I guess they made 100 million vehicles sold in the past 20 years that um, are susceptible to this. And they, uh, and, and basically they only have like four codes that they used. And so there you have it. Just unbelievable. In fact, wait, um, my local like neighborhood listservs, um, uh, the police have been warning people about this because uh, somebody's been rolling around uh, picking on Volkswagens and they, they were flummoxed by it. They couldn't figure out why um, because the, there was no sign of forced entry on the vehicles, mm-hmm. but they were all cleaned out. Um, and they're pretty sure that this is, this is what's going on. And I better check with Lauren and see if she's up to no good. <laughs> and that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Should keep, we get keep her on that. Yeah, that's right. Keep her on that USB project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and speaking of awful security. Yeah. This is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do a security case study, um, with, with United. So, um, so way back, uh, you know, guy pled guilty to hacking United Airlines, uh, for stealing travel vouchers. And the way he did it was with United Airlines, instead of like you enter your, you know, your frequent flyer, uh, number and then your four digit pin. And so then eventually they went to a password and a pin, which I guess doesn't make sense because a pin is just four digits. Right. And you would, that's not very strong. Um, but, uh, he pled guilty, uh, used 13 vouchers valued at $7,800 and sold 120 more worth $58,000. So that happened. And then for some reason, coincidentally, United made some updates to better protect your mileage plus account. And so, yeah, so they, they went away from a pin and now what they're doing is two-factor authentication. Oh, good. I thought that makes that makes a lot of sense. We strongly recommend two-factor authentication where it's available. Yes, yes. So um, the two factors are uh, strong passwords and security questions. Nope, nope. That's not two-factor. That's terrible. Right, because two-factor uh, is what? It's something you know and it's something you have. That's These right. are both things that you know. And, and also... <laughs> security questions um like what is your favorite pizza topping and and so and then the thing is there is that they don't even give you the chance to enter what your favorite pizza topping is you have a drop down and you get to pick from your favorite <laughs> pizza toppings. and one of those toppings is mashed potatoes and if you look at the fact it'll say oh from the fact oh are mashed potatoes a real pizza topping Yes, it's no joke. Some of our favorite Chicago pizza places offer some really interesting toppings. So they actually paid somebody to write this. And yeah, yeah. And it, and it even gets worse because, you know, the, when they were asked about it, they were, uh, they, they said that, well, why can't you type in the, the codes? And the reason why I said that why you can't type it in is that they're afraid that uh, keystroke this you would you, what happens if you have a keystroke logger in your system and then it picks up what your favorite pizza topping is nope nope <laughs> yeah so if you think about if you do the math there's like one of four pizza toppings or whatever the options are is it probability of the attacker guessing one in four it uh is it higher or lower than the number of people that have keystroke loggers on their system is it one in four of their customers have a keystroke logger yeah, as well, and 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 what's worse is, uh, I, Dave, I don't even know where to start. This is just, this is so bad. This is, this is like, it, 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 I can make it worse. You know okay, yeah, worse? please, yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So the reason, so the other thing is that if you call United by phone, um, not only do you have to enter your mileage plus number, you have to enter the first five digits of, or first five characters of your password. Which means the passwords aren't being hashed. Yes. Or maybe the first, maybe it's two hashes, right? So there's like the hash of the first five and then the hash of the others. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hope springs eternal. And I know <laughs> yeah, you're being, you're being pretty, pretty optimistic about it based on their previous choices. I'm guessing there's only one password and it's not encrypted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so do you memorize the first five digits of your like one password, crazy passwords that are generated? Uh, no, no, I do no. not. No. And oh, okay, so what is the like on a touchtone phone? What is the the number for like tilde, or the ampersand? <laughs> All right. right, right. So then that really cuts down the entropy of what your password could be, right? At least for the first five characters. So you could have like maybe have like um, monkey be the first five of of the password, and then have the crazy password after that. But then you still have a weak password, right? Five characters can get you through. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get a, a, a third-party opinion on this. So it's not just us. Maybe it's us, right? Maybe we're old curmudgeons, right? <laughs> I, unlikely. <laughs> okay. So so let's see what TechCrunch has to say. Um, so TechCrunch, let me quote the article that they wrote. And, and the article of the TechCrunch article is, it's time to publicly shame United Airlines' so-called online security. And they're off to a good start. Yep. Okay. So... Uh, I guess it's an open letter. And so I'll read an excerpt to you. Um, so it says, Dear executives of United Airlines, I have some advice for you. Number one, fire whoever is in charge of your online security. Number two, burn down the building in which they work. It may be tainted. Number three, salt the ground so nothing ever grows there again to be safe. Number four, hire somebody competent who will not infuriate your users while su simultaneously compromising their security. Well said. Said. Yeah. I do like. I always like a good ground salting in an open letter. That, that's a. That's great. Yes. Uh, and I completely agree. I completely agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So uh, we need some palate cleansers to, to end this uh, to finish this up. And, and yeah. we need to finish this so you could save it and make multiple backup copies and send me <laughs> that's a copy. Right. And I'll, I'll put it on <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> put it in the blockchain. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 We do, and then there's going to be a 51% attack, and somebody's going to remove it back. But, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, um, yeah. So let's talk about meeting hygiene. Let's 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 land the plane here. So um, yeah, so we're we're big fans of meeting hygiene, right? We are. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So and this is something we probably talked about this before is to um, define the meeting type before you have the meeting to ensure they're productive. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it. In fact, number one complaint is, and the most embarrassing thing for somebody can be, uh, you think you're in a decision-making meeting, and it's actually an information meeting. Yes, and the decision was made, right? Mm -hmm. And and you're like, wait, nobody asked me about this or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so you can say, hey. Or, or, or even worse is, and, and then there's also being in a brainstorming meeting and thinking as a decision-making meeting. That is also infuriating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or in an information meeting, thinking it's a brainstorming meeting. Yeah, that's right. that's actually the worst. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. Please, please, for our sake, please, please let us know what kind of meeting you're inviting us to. Um, and what if the meeting's over lunch and you want to go to Panda Express? 
Oh, then I uh, then I use a. Uh, what do you use? Are you use a fork person or a chopstick person? I, I use a chork. Oh, tell mm-hmm. me more. Okay, so I never used a chork, but they're out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if uh, so, uh, if just as much as as you do, if you read Panda Express's press releases as much as I do, um, you'll notice in a most recent one, probably about a month ago. Um, the, the chain is soon going to be offering a new utensil with their meals. In the future, food court diners will be able to consume their food with chorks, a beautiful notion, a beautiful union of forks and chopsticks. Mm, beautiful, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm skeptical. <laughs> so, yeah, so imagine, so it's like chopsticks that are like shaped like a V, so it's almost like really long tweezers, and then at the apex of the tweezers is a fork or a spork, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah, so if you get frustrated or whatever, you just flip the thing around and you just start shoveling. Well, that doesn't sound embarrassing at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the reality is, and you may think, wow, uh, Panda Express is, is you know, they must have like this whole research lab and they're coming up with new utensils and stuff. But actually, um, the, they did not invent chorks, uh, but um, it is strongly believed that they will be the ones responsible for bringing the utensil into the mainstream. I I would have paid good money to be in that pitch meeting, <laughs> to get, yes. convincing the Panda Express executives how uh, the importance of having a single utensil. Yeah. Um, all, think of all the cost efficiencies, Dave. Mm-hmm. No, no. Imagine this Don Draper like guy, right? <laughs> That's right. Sure. It's not a utensil. It's a time machine. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So we better save this thing. Um, yeah. Hit hit save button on this on it's, this episode. I'm, I'm saving all A B A B S. That's my motto. Always yeah. be saving. <laughs> all right, all right. So if people actually wanted to, if if we actually get this episode posted, um, where where should they go uh, to uh, hopefully download it? Their first choice should be uh, dgshow.org. It's uh, D as in Dave, G as in Gunner. Show dot o r g. Awesome. Okay, Gunner. Well, hey. Thanks for uh, recording this, hopefully. And um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thanks, everybody.